You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. He talks about us as a house, and as a house, we are the materials for the building. As a priesthood, royal, kingly priesthood, what do priests do? Well, you go back to the Old Testament, and three things the priests did. They offered sacrifices. We offer spiritual sacrifices. They blessed the people, and God wants us to bless the people. And they were to carry the ark, which represented the power and the presence of God. And so we carry the Holy Spirit, the presence, and the power of God. So we're a house, we're a priesthood, we're a people. One of the most remarkable aspects of the Bible is its ability to draw such a stark contrast between the Old and New Testaments. From the priesthood, the feast days, and allusions to Christ, the integrity and consistency of Scripture is amazing. In today's message, Pastor Danny will teach you about the similarities between the priests of the Old Covenant and the believer today. In his study, you'll learn about the parallels of prayer to sacrifice, the ark and our bodies, and being chosen as God's people. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 with today's edition of The Living Word. 1 Peter 2 verse 13. Now I'm going to back up to bridge where we're headed because I think it'll be helpful. Verse 9 says, you're a chosen people, speaking of the church, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, stop there for a minute. Please, please, you got to get it in your head as a Christian. I think about it every day. I think about heaven every day. I can't help it. And as I think about heaven, one of the things I'm reminded of is this world is not my home. And if you're a Christian, this world is not your home. And you ought to be very thankful for that. So as aliens and strangers in this world, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans. That's just a strong word for unbelievers. Now, we were all pagans at one time. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will, this is God's will, that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. That would include your boss. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing good and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. That's our calling. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. This next section blows me away. 
When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate, and he could have. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Let me quickly point out that healing is spiritual of the soul, not physical, because the Greek is past tense. It's already accomplished. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amazing section. He talks about us as a house, and as a house, we are the materials for the building, as a priesthood, royal, kingly priesthood. What do priests do? Well, you go back to the Old Testament, and three things the priests did. They offered sacrifices. We offer spiritual sacrifices. They blessed the people, and God wants us to bless the people. And they were to carry the ark, which represented the power and the presence of God. And so we carry the Holy Spirit, the presence, and the power of God. So we're a house, we're a priesthood, we're a people. Verse 9 in the old King James Version says you're a peculiar people. The world can't figure you out. And we're a holy nation. Now, I love America, and I don't like the direction America's headed. And I appreciate the founding fathers and the fact that this country was founded on biblical principles. I appreciate that. Nevertheless... America is not a holy nation. We are a holy nation. That's what God said. We're a holy nation. Now, with all those things, he tells us that, and then he tells us our mission. That was verses 11 and 12. And you can just summarize verses 11 and 12 uh, this way. A lifestyle that's unique, Christian, at least it's supposed to be, and deeds that are good deeds that speak of who we are. As a house, a priesthood, a people, and a nation. You could summarize it very simply by saying we're to be witnesses in the world. That's what God's called us to. If we're not to be witnesses, what's our purpose here? I mean, beam us up. Let's go home because this world is not our home. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. Gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, with that mission of being a witness to the world, here are the essentials for success. And I read through it fairly quickly, but these are essentials for success. One is abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Now, those can be all kinds of sinful desires. One of the first ones I think about because of my old lifestyle is sexual sin, addiction to drugs, the pagan party lifestyle, because that was my life before I came to know Christ. All right. But in the context, the sinful desires he's talking about, and that includes those as well. All right. And we're to abstain from those that I just mentioned, but in the context, it's sinful desires that have to do and that arise when they accuse you of doing wrong, when you suffer unjustly before the world. Are you with me? While I was away, channel 10 did a little story about Calvary Chapel right here, Calvary Chapel. They came and deceptively uh, said they were doing a story and got some B-roll footage of the building and the reporter was standing out and somebody, Bob Corey, sent me a, a link and I viewed it online because I didn't see it on the news. It was a very negative story 
about us because we have broken ties with the Boy Scouts. We've for years had a, our Boy Scout troop here, and the Boy Scouts have just recently put in that as, if you have a Boy Scout troop, you have to allow homosexuals into that Boy Scout group. That Boy Scout troop. Now we love the homosexuals. We should, but we're a church. And we're a church that believes that homosexuality is sin. All right? We believe heterosexual sin is sin. Immorality is sin too. All right? But we've broken ties with the Boy Scouts. And so they didn't give us a voice at all. But they interviewed a lesbian pastor, a lady lesbian pastor. And it made us look like we're racist. We're bigots. Abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Maintain an attitude and lifestyle of submission. Be willing to suffer and endure it. That was unjust suffering. My first thought was to call Reginald Roundtree and say, you know, that really wasn't fair. But I didn't do that. I'm not going to do that. You know what I have done? And I haven't even planned this, but God's just done this in me ever since I viewed uh, that story about Calvary Chapel and Channel 10 did that was a negative story. I've been praying for Reginald Roundtree, and I've been praying for Channel 10, and I've been praying for the lady that did the story. I've been praying for him every day. I actually have now, because I've been praying every day, my heart just reaches out and goes out to him. I want to see him saved. And look, look, our response, our response is important because our response determines our witness. All right? doesn't mean it's wrong to point out injustice at times. And uh, you read this book, Love Does, and this guy became a lawyer, and it's amazing how he became a lawyer, but he's a lawyer for God. I won't go into all that. Be willing to suffer, endure unjust suffering, and resist retaliation as a result of unjust suffering. Now, I don't know if I should, but I'm going to read a couple of things from here because I don't want to run out of time. But the great evangelical recession, let me read you a couple of statements. Internal forces are already weakening the tree of evangelism in the United States, evangelicals. Uh, But in coming decades, United States evangelicals will be tested as never before. I think that's true. By the ripping and tearing of external cultural change, a force more violent than many of us expect. Now, evangelicals, we have to define, unfortunately, what an evangelical is today because some evangelicals aren't evangelicals in the historical sense. An evangelical, very simply, is someone who believes that Jesus is the only way to salvation and this book is inspired infallible and inerrant that's the summary short summary uh, statement definition of an evangelical now billy graham recently wrote in the foreword of his updated book storm warning now at 91 years old i believe the storm clouds are darker than they have ever been the world has changed dramatically i think that's absolutely true The Apostle Peter's first letter encouraged the lives of believers spread far and wide, forced from their home due to their devotion to Jesus. Today, though you may not be facing the same kind of persecution, there will be people that oppose your message of hope. The enemy wants you to be silent, but your story and the grace of Jesus just can't be kept silent. Don't hide Jesus from people. Live him out in your daily life and proclaim his praises wherever you go. Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor Danny's teaching on the Living Word. 
If you'd like to hear more of his messages from this series on the book of 1 Peter, visit ccfstpete.church. Feel free to download or share the teachings you find from the Living Word, or visit our YouTube channel. There you can immerse yourself in our weekly services. We'd encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel too. That way you'll be notified as soon as we post anything new. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Join us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Fellowship at our website, ccfstpete.church. If you can't join us in person, we do offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit the website and click the link in the menu. Thanks for tuning in today to The Living Word.